The Bible comes to us today, um, the passage comes to us today from the Bible in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 5 through 7 out of the New Living Translation. This is the Apostle Paul talking to his son in the faith, Timothy. Now, I don't know how much church history you know, but this is what I heard the Holy Spirit say earlier to me that was going to resonate with somebody. How many of you love the, the story of the seven churches of Asia in the book of Revelation? To the church of Thyatira, right. To the church of Philadelphia, right. To the church of Pergamos, right. Does anybody love those, those seven churches of Asia? To the church of Ephesus, right. You have left your first love. You remember that? You are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold. I wish you were hot because you were neither. I will spew you out of my mouth. Do your first works again. Return to me. Does anybody remember that? It's a very powerful passage. How many of you love the book of Ephesians? God will do exceedingly and abundantly above everything you could ask, think, or matter or imagine according to his mighty power which works within you. How many of you love passages out of the book of Ephesians? You are seated with Christ in God far above all principalities and powers. You say, why are you talking to me about the church of Ephesus, the book of Ephesians? Because I want you to know this is the pastor to the pastor of the church of Ephesus. You see, Timothy pastored the church of the Ephesians as a really young man. And the Apostle Paul, his spiritual father, after he birthed the church of Ephesus, he left Timothy there. It would be like saying, Joseph, okay, we planted apostolically Oaks Church. Do this, 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 and this. Now run with it. And then we're off to go do it again somewhere else. I love this book. I love what the Apostle Paul writes. Here's what he writes as a man to a young man, a spiritual father to a spiritual son in the faith. First thing he says is, I remember your genuine faith. Somebody underline that word faith. For you share the faith, same word, pistis, mentioned two times in like 12 words, that was first not in your grandfather, but was in your grandmother, Lois. And this faith, this pistis, somebody, oh, great. Miss Tamika left her chair up here today. Here's what the word faith means. Pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S in the Greek. In the Greek. Koinonia Greek, it means to trust in. Watch this. I'm going to show you what faith means. I trust right now that I'm not going to make an idiot of myself in front of 500 people. I trust in. I'm relying on. And guess what? I'm even adhering to this chair. I'm stuck all the way to it. Faith in the Greek means I trust in it. I'm relying on it. I'm going to adhere to it. He says, Timothy, I call to remembrance the faith you had. But I know where it came from. It didn't come from your daddy. It didn't come from your grandpa. It came from your grandmother. And it came from Lois down to your mother Eunice. And I know that that same faith, how many times is the word faith mentioned? Three times. Three times in one verse, the Apostle Paul is attributing the faith that the pastor had that pastored the church of Ephesus came from the spiritual mothers in his life. First ladies at the tomb. 
first evangelist, Mary Magdalene, goes running. New Testament filled with ladies. We were in Nevada this week, and there were women everywhere there involved in planting churches, in the work of the ministry, in, in, in being a part of God's kingdom growing. Listen to me. I, I know that's a stretch for us here in the deep south in the Bible Belt, but listen to me. Women have played did play and will continue to play major roles in the story of God in this earth. He goes on and he says, and I know that the same faith continues in you. That's why I remind you, fan into the flames of the spiritual gift that's connected to that faith that I stirred up in you when I laid my hands on you. Most people get this passage so backwards, they think the gift came when Paul laid his hands on. Not true. Paul laid his hands to stir up the gift that was already there because of his faith. He says, for God has not given you a spirit, listen to this, of fear or of timidity, insecurity, but the spirit you got that is because of your faith is power. It is a love like the world has never seen, and it is of self-control or self-discipline. Father, I just pray this morning as we unpack this rich scripture that every woman in here, you knew what you were doing when you made women. There's no argument. There's no confusion in here with that, God. I just pray that today you would use me in a way that would help them further value, further understand, further develop, further step into that role that you, with divine purpose, created each of them to walk in and live in. I pray it today in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Today I want to talk to you about a mother's promise. A mother's promise. Thank you so much. Would you honor Pastor Chad for standing up here for an hour and one minute? He's going to kill me for saying this. Put a little humor back in the room because things kind of feel serious. <laughs> he said, you know, when I was younger, it, it wasn't hard to stand up there for an hour. And I was like, oh, are your legs getting tired? We need to get you some shoes. You know, what did get you a stool? He said, no, I have to use the bathroom quicker now. <laughs> How many of you were here a few months ago when Pastor Chad was walking off stage? And I was like, hold on, I still need music. He just kept going. I said, I said, Pastor Chad, you've never done that to me before. He texted me later. He said, I had to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I am so sorry. <laughs> I want to talk to you mothers today about your role as mothers. Actually, what, what I really want to talk to you about is, is, is your faith, your walk with the Lord. And it's going to be so hard for me to preach this message with, with you on the front row because I, I have watched you, Audrey. I have watched you, Stacy. I have watched you, Ron. I have wa- I've known you for 10 or 15 years, all of you. I, I, I have watched you when your children were in the things of God, not in the things of God, away from the things of God, couldn't care less about God. I have watched you walk your faith, live your life in and with the Lord trying to set your kids up for success, trying to set your kids up for what you knew would be best for them. 
I know there were times you doubted. I know there were times you had questions. I know there were times you couldn't pay the bills by Christmas. There were times that it didn't make sense, times that it seemed better to walk out on God, give up, and go with the flow of the rest of the current cultures of the world. But I can tell you, you three ladies sitting right there, you never have. There's three insights that I just want us to lean into for the next few minutes this morning, and I'm just going to use them as kind of like talking points on an evening news session. Maybe they'll, they'll throw this first one up here, and it is simply this, faith funneled forward. Faith funneled forward. The passage is verse 5. It says, I remember your genuine faith, for you shared the faith that was funneled forward to you from your grandmother. It was the faith that was not only in Lois, but it was also in your mother, Eunice. And I know that that same faith, that trust, that reliance, that adherence to, I know, Timothy, I didn't give that to you as your pastor. I know I didn't bring you into the things of God. I know that even though I've been used by God in your life, I know it was these mothers, it was these women that actually led to the faith that you have to stand and to be a young man pastoring the largest church in the then known world, the Church of Ephesians, in the most critically, culturally diverse setting of the entire New Testament. Could you imagine that? I'm, I'm pastoring a church, not, not in Los Angeles, not, definitely not in Monroe, Louisiana, not in New York City. I am pastoring a church where everything in the current culture trends are different and backwards to everything I say every day when I stand in a podium. And the faith that I have that allows me to stand there and to do that came from my mother and my grandmother. What a huge suggestion of honor. What I see in this is, again, faith being funneled forward. I, I see generational faith being passed down. Now, moving in a little more practical sense, something I want to help you with is understanding that faith is not a blueprint. Faith is not, moms, listen to me. The way you came to the Lord may not be the way your children come to the Lord. The, the way you have devotion is not necessarily the only God blueprint of how your children have devotion. How many of the mothers in the room know that trying to funnel your faith forward to your kids or to your stepchildren or, or to your adopted children or to your blended family children or, or to your spiritual children. It, it is a trial and error process. It's, I tried this. It didn't work. I tried this. God, I'm back at the drawing board. What does your spirit say? Is it a lunch date? Is it a movie? Jesus revolution? Is it a new Bible? Is it a devotion? Is it a podcast? Is it a Stephen Furtick sermon? Is it an invitation to Oaks church? Is it a life group? It is a, is it a Gulf Shores trip? You just have to keep trying many different scenarios and situations trying to funnel that faith not a blueprint not a system not a procedure not a abc step guide it's a faith it's i can't see god but i believe god is real i i i don't personally know god but i believe personally god knows me i i, I can't see heaven but i know god has made me a promise in heaven I, I i've never seen the resurrected christ but i know christ was crucified for me and baby until you get your heart around this faith element you'll never never have a meaningful relationship with god because it's not practical it's faith 
Mothers, ladies, women in here, you're, you're, you're trying to generationally pass this down to those that God has given you a sphere of influence over. And, you know, I'll just share something from our own home. Um, I, I have discovered, and this is not a pop shot at anyone. This is just me being genuine. I, I have discovered that, that I can mean well by using people as illustrations and it not be took well. <laughs> so uh, people are like, don't let him know your name. Don't let him know your name. Don't let him know what you're doing. Don't let him, because he will use you in a sermon. And sometimes, even though I mean it pure heartedly, pure spirit, people take offense or they think I'm putting them on blast or getting in their business. Everybody's looking down right now like, please don't pick me. No, so I just use me and Brooke. And she's mad at me all the time anyway. So if she <laughs> goes home still mad, it's, it's all good. I'm going to pick up limbs this afternoon outside anyways. <laughs> Is she looking? Yeah. Am I in trouble? <laughs> I don't know how to get out of this one. <laughs> I'm a morning person. When, when I wake up in the morning, it don't matter if it's 4.30, 3.30, I hear, I hear that old commercial, ding, you're now free to move about the country. <laughs> I'm like, oh clearing my throat, slamming the microwave, fixing oatmeal, praying in tongues, reading my Bible, calling the dog, taking out trash. I'm, I'm like, uh, Brooke's like, everyone else is not up. <laughs> I'm up in the morning. I wake up about 7.30, 8.30. Y'all be so proud of me. Brooke was like, look, I know we're here for Jesus and planting church, but we going to see a show. In my mind, I'm thinking, baby, these people are three hours behind us. This show that starts at nine means it's 12 at home. I ain't no way I can stay up. She said, well, I don't care if you sleep through it. We're going to see a show, partner. <laughs> Brooke, her, her birds don't start chirping until like two in the afternoon. <laughs> we have decided our connecting point is about... About lunch, about lunch, about 12 to 2, we get all of our family business done because she's no good before that, and after that, I'm no good. I mean, it helps to learn one another and to know this is our window of getting our stuff done. It can be, last night, it's, it's, we got a great invitation, friends we love, celebrate birthday. I went, I'm telling you, when I came home, I started taking clothes off at the front door, brushed my teeth, don't know where I left them. I was in the bed snoring. As soon as I got there, I'm going to bed. But let me tell you what Brooke did. I didn't see her, and I didn't hear her, but I've been married to her for 13 years. She was in our kid's bedroom, funneling her faith forward. She was reading with our kids. I guarantee you she prayed with every one of our kids. She talks to them about Jesus one night. Foster, we're in the barn, and he hollers through the wall. Mom, Dad, is the devil Willie Will? <laughs> I looked at Brooke and I was like, <laughs> that's a you one. That's a you one because, you know, I'm going to go in there like Joseph. I'm going to break out my Dake's Bible. I'm going to be in the Hebrew and trying to explain with a lexicon. And Brooke's going to be like, baby, that is not going to help that kid, all that religion and theology. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, that's all I know. I'm trying to modernize, trying to catch up. She goes in there and she tells him, I'm, I think this is what she told him, baby, here's, 
you know, he is, but he's not. He's not here. He's not in this room. You don't have to worry about it. And you have authority in Jesus' name. You, you think good thoughts. You say prayers. He has to go. <laughs> so she comes back out. I'm still faking like I'm asleep. <laughs> and I hear Foster go, Mom, I can't think of no good things. <laughs> I said, my kid is Todd Hibbert, Jr. <laughs> Just like his granddad, he's in there killing himself with his, with his mind, just running himself crazy. My point in this is I know the woman that I married. It may not be how you do it. It may not be the way someone else does it. But I know this woman that I'm, and I do mine differently. I do mine in the woods, in a deer stand, on the golf course. I do mine when he likes every girl he sees. I'm like, yes, thank God he likes girls. But at the same time, partner, let me try to show you what to do here and how to do it. I do mine different than he does his, than she does hers. But I know my wife is in there funneling her faith forward in three different ways for three different kids that need it in three different ways. She is generationally trying to pass that faith down to our children. I'm not using her as the quintessential. I'm not using her as the state of perfection because trust me, after 13 years, we've tried many things that worked and didn't work. It is an ongoing process. But one thing has remained the same, like these three mothers on the front row. I have watched her never quit trying. I've watched them never quit trying. Every mother in here has a promise from God that if you will engage in the role that God is calling you to engage in, he will produce the results. He will produce the results. One of the greatest attributes of any mother is to be a woman of faith, a woman of God, and to leave a legacy that says, I funneled my faith forward to my children. You don't know who your child will grow up to be. Number two, I love this. This faith that the Bible talks about in verse five spilled over and gave birth to a spirit-filled life that caused a spirit to be spilling over. Listen to this, this verse. This is why I remind you to fan into the flames of the spiritual gift that God gave you. This is why I remind you to fan into the flames of the spiritual gift that God gave you when I laid my hands on you. Now, if you read that in modern versions, it seems like, Pastor Ron, to stand up. It seems like, please, ma'am, come, come right here. I'm not going to embarrass you, I promise. I, I done got myself in enough trouble on Mother's Day. See, there you go. There you go taking up for it. <laughs> we just had these families up here, and, and we laid hands on them. And, and if you're not careful, listen, I, I love that you love me, and I love that you honor me. I love every pastor that you honor that's played a role in your life that's made rich deposits. But listen to me, none of us died for you. None of us were crucified for you. You can't be baptized in our name. We can't ensure your eternal life. And the truth of the matter is we don't have a Holy Spirit, a heaven or a hell to give any of you or to put you in. We are just simply funnels of what God uses in the earth. And it's the greatest honor of my life. When we laid hands on little bear a moment ago, I don't have a spirit to give him. I have a spirit, a human spirit, because God, who is a spirit, gave me the breath of life. God makes a secondary promise for a New Testament believer. You can be born again and receive a new spirit. 
The things you used to hate, you will begin to love. The things you used to love, you'll begin to hate. Your darkness will become light. Your sadness will become joy. Your ashes will become... He promises this radical change connected to taking out a heart of stone and giving you a heart of flesh. Okay? A heart of flesh that is tender and pliable for the things of God. Check this out. Timothy had this faith. The faith brought about this born-again process. And all Timothy did, all Paul did was lay his hands on him to stir up what was already inside of him. Now, if you want to know the truth, I can tell you all of the first century church history that happened for this. It happened with a group of elders at the city of Lystria. It is recorded in early church history. It's in other books of the Bible. The elders recognized a faith and a spirit in Timothy that set him apart as a young man. And the elders got together and they laid their hands on him to stir up what was in him. And then Paul, through the gift of prophecy, started calling it out over Timothy's life, saying, God has appointed you for this work. But the gift didn't come from Paul or the elders. It came from God. You say, why? Thank you so much. You say, why are you, why, why are you working with that so, so particularly, all right? Because I'm talking about a faith handed down generationally from fathers and mother that leads to a spirit inside of a person that is a born-again spirit that starts spilling over into every area of their life. Check this out. Pastor Rhonda, you have two boys, Cal and Cody, wonderful young men of God. Watched them grow tremendously in their lifetime. Were there times and are there times as their mama, you can see things and want to do things and reach in and fix things and guide things? Is it? Stacy, are there things in your kid's life? Audrey, is there things in? But guess what? The best thing, can you, can you legally reach in and make them do that can you can you authoritatively can, can you make them not hang out with certain people can you make them live can you make them think can you make them talk can you make them act can you can you really make i mean you, you could kidnap them we'll see you on the evening news i'll come down there and do jailhouse ministry which is where i started at an ocs but they gonna arrest you for kidnapping the best thing you can do, you're going, what in the world is he talking about? The best thing you can do is have a faith that passes down to these kids. And when that faith gets in those kids, that faith will lead to their spirit being born again. And when that spirit comes to live inside of them, he will tell them how to think. He will tell them how to walk. He will tell them how to talk. He will tell them how to treat their wives. He will tell them how to raise their children. He will tell them how to, who, who to hang out with and who not to hang out with. What lives to live what beliefs to have that spirit can spill over from your faith and do things with your children that you can never do and the apostle paul said all i did was get over there now i feel like being messy for a minute i'm gonna get to it he said, all I did was get over there and fan in. All I did was get over there. It was already in there. It came through Grandma Lois. It came through Eunice. It came in his faith. All I did was just dig in the embers a little bit and, and blow, a little, blow a little air on the fire. The problem is some of us mamas, some of us daddies, some of us friends, some of our friends are digging in the wrong embers. 
fanning the wrong flames. And it's making some fires grow for some lust, for some affections, for some possession. It's making some things grow hotter. You put fuel and oxygen, it produces fire. You fuel it, you put air on it, and the flower starts growing. And we say, well, why are they so eat up with this? Why are they so eat up with, why are they so into this? Why are they, because they're having the wrong flames fanned in their lives, sometimes even by those of us that are supposed to be fanning and stirring other flames. God, I wish he wasn't so into that. Are we stirring those embers? Are we fanning that? Why is he so, why is he? When a mother leads her children into the things of God, this ensures that their spirits are born again and that they are ultimately filled with the Spirit of God. And this will equip them for everything they will ever need throughout the duration of their lives. Here's some practical things you can do. I remember a time in my life when people used to not say, I love you when people left. I am amazed now. I'm going to use an example. I remember the first time I told Jeff Edwards I love him. I remember the first time I told Charles Brown. I remember the first time I told Cody. I remember the first time I told told Kyle, told told friends of mine, Ryan Evans, told told just Joseph, just people. I just... They're like, all right. I'm like, Charles, I didn't say all right. I said, Charles, I said, I love you. Okay, John. Okay, I see. I said, you know I'm just going to get louder. You know, you know I'm going to come in your office and, okay, I love you. But don't push your luck. I ain't telling you that every day. Just, just, just listen to me. But I've watched, I've watched. We're getting ready to go out of town. Jeff and Jennifer sent Brooke and I a text in a group text. Two couples. Hey, man, pastors, we're so grateful y'all are our friends. We love y'all. Y'all be safe on your trip. Thanks for what you're doing for the kingdom. I remember when Jeff used to not say that. Cody, my brother. He said, I love you. I mean, it may just be those three words. It's not travel safe, have fun. He said, I love you. <laughs> it means everything to me. Check this out. I want you to go a step further. When's the last time you prayed for your family? When's the last time you put your hands on? Hey, before you go today, hey, they're going to in an airplane. They're going on a trip. They're going to Disney World. They're going on vacation. They're going to take a job interview. I just want to put my hands on you. Father, I just pray you keep them safe. See, we've reserved what we did this morning, fanning the flames and stirring in the embers to family dedications is something that the work of the church should only do. But you are the church, and it is your work. You want to know how to cause that spirit to spill over? Don't just say, I love you. Lay your hands on your family. Pray for them. And if you really get bold, start saying some things over their lives that you believe are God-inspired direction for where he's calling them to go. Don't do it like this. Thus saith the Lord. (laughs) It's a new day, partner. (laughs) You will scare the daylights out of folks. They are not coming back. (laughs) They they are gone. They just put you in the category as cereal church, fruity, flaky, and nutty. (laughs) 
The inspiration is from God, not the literal wording. Thus saith the Lord. All right, we out. Ain't going to Mother's Day there again. Just, just, hey, Finn, before you get out of the car today, Dad loves you, baby. Let me just pray. God, I just pray you keep her safe. God, I believe she's a leader of leaders, and I know she's got a strong personality. And God, she wants to take the bleed. And I just pray today, I just declare it. Her leadership is going to be used of you to be a leadership of good influence for her friend. Love you, babe. God bless you. Have a great day. I'm just calling out. She's got this gift. I see it. She's going to be the first woman president, or she's going to run a cartel. I mean, I'm just telling you. I bind those words, Jesus. (laughs) God, use her strong gifting, but Lord, please let her influence people the right way. (laughs) Can can I tell the Friday story? Can I tell the Friday story? She's been wanting me to check her out. I had to ask Brooke about this one. Uh, She's been wanting me to check her out to eat sushi. Nobody in our family eats sushi except she and I. So... I showed up one Friday, she came around the corner and she was like, Dad, you checking me out to eat sushi? I was standing there with a paddle. She started crying. She she said, I know what I did. Now, I went to the school to ask them, could I talk to Finley and maybe possibly figure out some discipline? And the principal said, we got three paddles in here. Which one you want? (laughs) Brooke told me later what Finley did either meant I had to paddle or somebody up there had to paddle. So I'm glad I went. Finley allegedly, now allegedly, (laughs) did not cheat on a mandatory test, but she did have the answers inside of her desk with the desk cracked. (laughs) And she made a hundred, but she swore she didn't cheat. (laughs) I said, oh my Lord. Lord, please don't let, Lord, please let her use her, don't let nine other kids figure out how to keep the desk crack and hide the answers inside a hot tamale box. (laughs) Where this kid figures this stuff out at? (laughs) I'm like, no, she acts just like you, Brooke. Brooke said, you going to hell. You know exactly, you know exactly who she acts like. But instead of me saying, hey, you're going to run a cartel, I have to say, you're going to be the first woman president. You're going to be the class valedictorian. You're going to be a godly influence. You're going to be a great leader. You're going to be the captain of the team. You're going to be great at cross-country running. I have to guide that, nurture that, prophetically speaking, life over her in the direction I believe God wants her to go, not you're just like your mother. You're just like your father. You're never going to amount to anything. You're going to end up in prison. Listen to me. People know when they're hurting. People know when they're addicted. People know when they're broken. People know. You pointing that out in a callous, mean-spirited sense, don't fix anything. It just stirs in embers and fans the wrong flames. Is this all right for a Mother's Day message? Sorry, I've been in church all week. Number three, last last insight we want to lean into. Pastor Chad, I'm going to get you to come. A pathway, a purpose. Pathway, a purpose. I'm telling you, I've never unpacked this verse this way. God's just so good. I just love his word. For God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity. 
So check this out. Did you follow the connection? The first verse, verse 5, said the word faith pissed us three times. The next verse mentions the spirit and the gifting of the spirit two times. It goes faith, spirit, and then the last thing it says, the faith will bring the spirit and the spirit will bring the purpose. And it's going to show you the three areas of purpose that this faith in you as mothers births by the spirit in your children that produces a pathway, a purpose for them for the rest of their lives. I've never seen this before. Didn't get it off Netflix, didn't get it off a podcast, just listen to the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> for God didn't give them the spirit. The spirit that came into their lives through faith is not a mealy mouth. It's not a, it's not a fearful. It's not a timid. I looked up that word, timid. You ready for this? This is a word we hear a lot today. It's going to hit different. Insecurity. <clears throat> My friend Jeff said this to me. He said, Pastor, just, just when you go to the gym and you, you, you know, you're into your diet, you're into your macros, you're into working out. I'm Jeff. I hope this is okay. He said, I want you to keep your guard up because everybody that goes to the gym is battling an insecurity. There's insecure people there. So because out of their insecurity, they, they have tendencies to make mistakes. Just keep your guard up. That's the kind of friend you want in your life, right? Right? That's the kind of friend you want in your life, right? I go to the gym, work out by myself, keep my ear pods in, or I work out with men. <laughs> Only person comes through chats with me is Brooke. So many people battling insecurities. I'm insecure of my hair, insecure of my height, insecure of my finances, insecure of my weight, insecure of my looks, insecure of my family, insecure. We, is everybody, everybody know insecurity is a part of life? Everybody have some insecurity, anxiety, fear, depression? Check this out. The scripture's answer for insecurity is for you understanding your identity. The insecurity begins to be dried up. Old timers used to tell me like this, the clothes don't make the man. <laughs> you, you, you can put Versace on somebody with an addict mindset and he's still just a dressed up drug addict. <laughs> you can put Walmart rustlers <laughs> on a child of God and he'll make them bad boys look so cold. <laughs> Everybody be down at Walmart next week trying to get them some wrestlers and roll them up. That'll be the new trend. Your identity fights the inadequacies. And the identity comes from who I am in God. Not what you thought I was. Not what she said I was. Not what they said I could be. I know who I am in Christ. It makes me a good mother. Makes me a good father. Makes me the salt of the earth, the head, not the tail, the light of the world. Bless when I get up. Bless when I go out. He makes me whole. Doesn't mean I don't have issues. Don't mean I don't have battling thoughts. Means that my identity is connected to something solid. A rock. The rock. The only rock. And when I woke up today, he was still the same. It didn't change. My bank account went up, went down. My identity never changed. My hair stayed in, fell out. My identity never changed. My weight went up, weight went down. All things change in life. It's a part of the growing, aging, dying process. 
but he never dies. He's always the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. I woke up today and there was no schizophrenia in my identity because he remains the same. This, this faith that these mothers passed down to this young man that pastored the largest church in the most confrontational area in all of the New Testament, Church of Ephesus, read about it. Great is the goddess of Diana. She fell down from heaven. This is a cold-blooded place. Temple prostitutes. We tripping today because you can get weed. We tripping today because you, I was in Seattle. Let me just tell you this. I was in Seattle. We were eating pizza. And the waitress came over, and, and it was loud in there. And we said, people smoking weed. She said, weed? Yeah, two blocks up. Take a right. Not the one on the left. It's no good. The one on the right. I was like, no, people smoking weed. She was like, oh, yeah, it's legal. She said, where are you from? I said, Louisiana. Check this out. She said, y'all got drive up icy liquor stores down there. Don't be talking about people smoking weed in Seattle. You can't walk outside with an open container here, much less get in the car. Y'all drive up and get it in icy's. What's wrong with y'all blooming people down there? I said, what's wrong with y'all up here? You think those are some big cultural issues in Ephesus? Let me tell you, when you went to worship at the church, the temple prostitutes were a part of the worship experience. That was this culture. Guy or girl, both guy and girl. That, that was a part. I'm Timothy. I'm 19. And I'm supposed to be pastoring this church that says we got to change everything about this city. And the faith I have, I got from my grandmother. The faith I have came from my mother, and that faith led to a spirit that's inside of me. And this spirit is guiding me to a pathway of purpose. I'm not afraid of you. I'm not insecure about me. I'm not insecure about you because I have a spirit inside of me from God. Check this out. That gives me power. That word in Greek is dunamis. We get a couple of words in English. The first one is dynamite. Timothy was JJ on good times long before JJ ever existed. He was dynamite. He was Stephen Furtick before there was a Stephen Furtick. He was Jensen Franklin before there was a Jensen Franklin. He was T.D. Jakes, get ready, get ready, get ready, before there was a... He was standing up there by the power of God in the most culturally diverse place on the planet, preaching the uncompromising gospel of the kingdom of salvation to people watching the church stand up before his very eyes and bring revival to the world. He had power. But check this out. He didn't just have power. He had love. Not philos love, brotherly love, not storos love, uh, 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 friendly love, not eros love, erotic love, sexual love. He had agape love that says, I don't care if you were with the temple prostitute last night and he was a man and you were a man and she was a woman and you were a woman. I don't care if you were at the club. I don't care if you were out late. I don't care if you didn't stay home. I don't care if you're jacked up, toe up from the floor. I don't care if you're on the bar stool or in the crack house. I don't care where you came from. I've got a love and an understanding from God. God died for you right where you're at. And I'm going to be there to meet you at your lowest point because that's why God sent me here. But the thing is, I don't just have empathy. I don't just have sympathy for where you're at. I got some power from God that'll help you get up out of that where you're at. 
and lead you to where God's calling you to be. It'll be your best life. It'll be your precious life. It'll be everything you never dreamed you could have. And God gave that to me to give to you. See, most people try to capitalize on saying, oh, it's okay to meet people. And then we just become the meet people where they're at people. Most people just try to capitalize off, oh, we're just the power people. We're just the Pentecost people. We're just spirit-filled people. We're just the movers and the shakers. We got all this religion, but we don't have no love. We got all this love, but we don't have no power. And we sell out to one side. Solomon said this, man of God avoids all the streams. You got to learn to grasp with one hand when not letting go of the other. It's living in the healthy tension of I got to meet you where you're at and give you what you need to have. I got to meet you right where you're at down there at the courthouse trying to get sentenced to a recovery ministry instead of being sent to prison for the rest of your life. And in this recovery ministry, they're going to give you the secrets of what you need to learn to live sober. It's, it's living right in the middle of that tension and understanding it's not a, it's not a, it's not a, 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 a blue book. It's not a, this is how it's always done. This is not a blueprint and her way may not be his way and his way may not be her way. And her way may take two days and his may take two years. It's being long suffering in the midst of the whole process. Remembering that when God found you, you were living with somebody. When God found you, you were addicted. When God found you, you were a racist. When God found you, you were an adulterer. When God found you, you you were an addict just remembering the rock that he dug you out of when he set your feet on top of it out of my it's just remembering that he brought me a mighty long way he found me at my low and I want to find people at their low but I want to help them climb to their height in him living right there check this out God ain't giving me a spirit of fear but a power love tell me the last one you ain't gonna like this one. You ain't gonna like this one. I'm done, I promise. Sophronismos. 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 Sound mine. Let me tell you what it literally means moderation it means exactly what I just told you it's the answer to the first two one is all muscle and one is all love and he says the third thing I'm gonna give you is the sound mind to know what moderation to use of each in helping people come from where they're supposed to be and where they're supposed to go try to muscle them there they say oh no you just try to love them there never see any change he says I'm gonna give you a sound mind I'm gonna show you how to use moderation moderation y'all don't you want me to get on moderation <laughs> all right <laughs> Lord don't let me get fired on my day off <laughs> Baby, can I have another girlfriend? I promise I just use moderation. Huh? <laughs> Brooke told me one day, she said, me and my new husband going to be pastor in your church. <laughs> I said, okay, all right then, never mind. <laughs> Not a case for moderation. <laughs> you follow me? <laughs> 
some things abstinence is required i gotta be honest with you got another boyfriend you gone out of there. i'm just kidding it's too real for you it's too real for you there's other things in life all right somebody said to me the other day don't y'all get mad don't look at me religious in church don't you do it remember jesus was the toughest on religious people we got to be honest if we're going to be helpful Somebody said, I heard that pastor say a cuss word. <laughs> I said, don't ever trust one that you hadn't. <laughs> I don't want you to cuss, but if you do, moderation. <laughs> Am I getting myself in trouble? <laughs> okay. Brooke, I said, baby, can I please just play one hand of blackjack? She said, no, because the problem is you ain't got no moderation. (laughs) You bought a Powerball ticket, moderation. You have a glass of wine, moderation. Some things moderation in life. Some things abstinence in life. It takes a sound mind to know which one you're dealing with. Trying to reach lost people. Get right, get right, get right, get right. They're going to get gone, find somewhere else to go. Trying to build a building, trying to plant a church. What's one thing we don't talk about? What's one thing you ain't never hear us talk about? Huh? We ever passed a bucket? Ever passed a bucket? Ever took an offering in here? You know why? Because I know a lot of people been hurt talking about money. A lot of people been misused, manipulated, talking about money. So we use moderation of where we approach that subject. You got to have a sound mind. How do I handle my marriage? How do I handle my kids? How do I handle our checkbook? How do I handle our friendship? How do I handle my influences? I wish it was one way. I wish it was do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. There's not. You're a live, living, breathing soul. You have an intelligence that no other creation on this world has. And God says, I will give you an intelligent, sound mind to know how to moderate and navigate every area in your life. Check this out. But it all started with a faith from a grandmother to a mother to a son that produced a spirit that produced a pathway to purpose that led to the largest church in the first century making the greatest impact in all of Asia Minor. That's right. I don't know who you were to put your hands together, but that that was a good place. That was a good place. That was a good place to clap. When a mother is insistent on the Holy Spirit being a part of her children's life, they're also ensuring that this child will inevitably have a person on board. I call it a GPS, a God positioning system. That thing will be in them 
recalculating, recalculating, recalculating. My recalculating has been so recalculating my whole life. I done had to make U-turns. I done had to back up. I done had to pull in parking garages. I done had to stop, pull over, put water in the radiator. But let me tell you something. I've had to change types of fuel, but that GPS inside of me, that God positioning system has never shut off. He is a deliberate, intentional, the hound of heaven, and he will not relent until he has all of your heart. And when a mother insists that her kids have the Spirit of God in their life, they're ensuring that they will have a pathway of the power they need and the love they will need and the sound mind they will need to navigate and moderate that role all the days of their lives. Now, you can't get that in a Cracker Jack box. And you can't get that on a podcast. That came straight from the Word of God for every one of you ladies and every one of you fathers in here today.